You are listening to the For Flourishing Sake podcast by Frederica Roberts. Welcome to episode 49. This is the third of the extended podcast episodes over the next few weeks, where you will be able to listen to the replays of the For Flourishing Sake book launch events. Today, I bring you the first half of the second panel discussion of the book launch extravaganza. This panel was recorded live on the 18th of June, the day that the Kindle edition of For Flourishing Sake was published. I chaired the panel myself and the panellists were Flora Barton, head teacher at Crowmarsh Gifford Church of England Primary School, Kelly Hannigan, mental health and wellbeing consultant, Patrick Otley O'Connor, education consultant, leadership coach and head teacher and also at the time executive principal at North Liverpool Academy. And finally, Rebecca Teague, head of school at the University of Birmingham School. In this first half of the panel discussion, the panellists shared their definitions of positive education, character education or well-being in education, exploring also the different terminology used to describe many of our and their shared goals. They quickly moved on to some concrete examples of implementation in their schools, from specific staff well-being initiatives and their impacts, to whole school approaches and their effects on the entire school community, including parents. You can watch back all the panel video recordings at the forflourishingsake.com website, of course. And remember, the final panel discussion will take place on the 21st of August, the day that the For Flourishing Sake paperback will come out. So that will be at 12.30pm BST, so UK time, and that will be both on YouTube and also on Facebook. Watch this space. So let's get started with our panel discussion. I will start off by asking each of the panellists to introduce themselves and to tell us a little bit about what their thoughts are on what positive education is, Um, or they might refer to it in their setting as character education, or they might refer to it as something completely different, in which case they can tell us what they refer to it as and what their understanding of it is, because um, as we found on the earlier panel today, there's a lot of divergence of of, um, vocabulary around this, but actually a lot of us are working towards the same thing. So it's really interesting to hear the different ways that we all describe it and what we mean by it all. So I will start off, if I may, by coming to you, Beck. And uh, Beck is uh, the head of school at the University of Birmingham School, one of the settings I've had the pleasure to actually look at as part of writing my book. I spent the best part of a day looking around the school, which was awesome. Uh, So thank you for that. It was a brilliant experience. And I'll let Beck introduce herself and the school a bit more directly. Okay, so thanks very much for having me, Frederica. Um, It's been a real pleasure to be involved with this project. Our school is unique in that it was set up by the University of Birmingham five years ago now with the aim to have character education at its core. Um, So very briefly, we have a taught course and sort curriculum where we offer the opportunity for pupils to learn the virtues they need to flourish and be really active, happy citizens as as they grow up. So we teach um, compassion, gratitude, kindness, courage, and hope that they take those all on board and make wise choices as they grow up. 
Thank you so much. Oh, I don't think I'm on screen. Oh, yes, you can hear me. You just can't see me. <laughs> All right. Thank you so, so much for that. That's brilliant. And, and already I can see some of the similarities between what we talk about when you talk about positive psychology and positive education and character education, because some of the stuff you're talking about there, gratitude, etc., is so prominent uh, across the sort of well-being arena. Um, so I'll, I'll go to Kelly next on the same question. So if you'd like to introduce yourself and say what, what it is that you call what we do and uh, what your understanding of it is. Hi Fred and thank you for inviting me to be part of this panel discussion today and for also including us as a positive case study within for flourishing's sake. Um, for me positive education started um, when my journey started at Lesnes Heath um, and that's part of the primary first trust and that was four years ago. I was brought into the school as a service provider because the school was in a place of being placed into special measures um, by Ofsted. So um, I was delighted to be working alongside an incredible head teacher, Kate O'Connor, um, and our, the alignment of our belief in positive education being at the, the forefront and the foundation for um, promoting positive happiness and well-being within education. I think it's really important to have space to to see a decrease in poor mental health for young people and giving them the opportunity to flourish and we were delighted to be um, recognised by the Department for Education for our working wellbeing and also um, our Ofsted um, grading recently was uh, that we were outstanding for our personal development. So we've got the evidence to show that placing wellbeing at the heart of education really does make a difference for stakeholders. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And that's such an important point because uh, I'm sure we'll come back to this, but you know, there's a lot of debate around, you know, should should we be talking about well-being? Shouldn't it all be about academics? What's the balance, etc.? And is it one to the detriment of the other? And actually what you've just shown there is that obviously one feeds the other rather than uh, detracts from it, which is really important. And of course, Lesnar's Heath is also one of the schools where I've uh, been. I didn't actually come to look around for the book. I came much later, didn't I? Uh, but I have had the pleasure of being there and working with staff there on uh, on action research into positive and character education and other related matters, which has been great fun. Um, so fabulous school. Unfortunately, because I was working with staff, I didn't actually see it, see it with the kids in situ at the time, but uh, it was still, you could feel that atmosphere in the staff um, as well, which was brilliant. And I'll um, come to you, Patrick, now, if I may. Hello, again, thanks for having me here today. It's great to join you all. Uh, my name is Patrick Otley O'Connor. I'm currently ex Executive Principal within uh, North Liverpool Academy in Liverpool. Uh, I've uh, 37 years since I started my training as a teacher. Um, I'm 17th year now as a, as a head. And I've, I've moved around quite a bit in that time and particularly as a head in recent years I've gone to a variety of schools uh, where I've had the opportunity really to help schools revisit their uh, values-based vision around what they stand for and what are they what they're doing. And, and, and for me one of the things that started off that process is that the, the focus on staff initially uh, and it's around staff self-care the idea that we should all look after ourselves first before helping others to make the difference for the children and within that then making sure the staff are flourishing and and rolling that down into all of the curriculum uh, the, the pastoral and academic curriculum uh, to make sure that it's each aspect for getting children ready for those next steps in life so they can flourish in life thank you very much and uh, one of the things I know, Patrick, is that obviously you do move around schools a lot in the work that you do as a, as a, 
uh, almost like a roaming head teacher who goes and and so you've seen a lot of schools and I think it'll be really interesting to to hear your viewpoints as well having been in a lot of different schools and having done a lot of this work in those different settings um, and um, you like uh, like all the other panelists can probably talk a lot about the leadership aspects of uh, what we're doing as well which I think is really important um, so I'll come to you Flora last but definitely not least and another school that I've been in and worked with which has been fantastic with a brilliant atmosphere that's really palpable as well so um, it's on some panels I won't have been in any of the schools and in this one <laughs> I've been in one of your former schools in fact as well Patrick just not the one that you're in at the moment so I've been in quite a few schools which is brilliant um, so I'll uh, pop you on screen uh, Flora and um, tell us all about you and what you're doing. Excellent. Um, again, thank you so much for having uh, me here as well, Fred. Uh, so I am a primary school head teacher at Cromarsh Gifford, um, and we do character education. I think it starts for us with something called purple learning, which um, is something that Diana Pardo came in and helped us with. But I've actually had Fred and Liz Wright into school um, to help us sort of kickstart all of the well-being um, and character education in school. And for us, it's really about um, giving children the tools um, and strategies needed to face challenges, to be resilient um, in, in all aspects of life. And that's what it is about. And it's the focus is well-being for everybody, I think, as well, um, for staff as well as for children. Um, so, yes. Thank you very much for that. And yes, absolutely. There was a common theme there, actually, I think, about um, the, the sort of the well-being for everybody and that it's not just about the kids either when we're talking about character education, about uh, positive education. And that's a, a really important aspect. Um, so maybe we can go to that as, as one of our first themes, really. Um, can you give us some examples? So moving to the, the how to, you know, the bringing this to life of some of the stuff that you do that that really supports the staff well-being. And on that one, I'll um, I'll come to you, Flora, to start with, because um, I, I, I can remember quite clearly some of the stuff that you've told me that you were doing um, that I think the audience would really like to hear about. So, over to you. Okay, so um, staff well-being, I think, obviously, we always say everything starts with children, but also with the staff. Um, I passionately believe that if you have passionate teachers who, I, I joke with them, I say, I want you guys dancing in the school in the mornings, and honestly, I do, um, because teachers and staff who are passionate about coming to school will immediately engage the children and, and create passionate learners. Um, so we have lots of strategies in place, but it's really, it's, it's really just simple. It's about taking care of the staff. It's about making sure that they realize that you, you are, you know, you are taking care of their well-being and it's all about making sure that their workload is um, looked at. One of our key questions when we make any decision in school is um, how is it going to impact the workload of teachers? And if it's not a positive impact, we don't do it. Um, and so one of the things that I said in my first staff meeting with staff was we're going to make sure that you all leave twice a week at 415 with nothing in your hands. They all looked at me kind of like, what? Um, and, uh, we, you know, everything was about making sure that that could happen. So twice a week, 4.15, everyone leaves, nothing in their hands. Um, and it's about making sure that that remains a possibility and that people have a life outside of school. Um, that's the focus. 
Fantastic. And and I remember when you told me about that, you know, leaving with nothing in your hands, it sounds like such a far-fetched idea, really, in education that that should even be possible. And I think that's fantastic. And didn't you say as well, you've had a, a well-being uh, consultant come in and do some some follow-up research on that, and you've had some really good results in terms of showing the, the impact of that? Yeah, absolutely. Because we've, um, we've had a well-being survey every year uh, since the first year I began. Um, and that's increased every year it increases. Um, and she's come in and said she's never seen consistently 100% of staff saying how much they enjoy school. Um, it's not just an agree, it's, it's a strongly agree. Um, and so she's done a case study into our school to, to sort of look at what approaches we're using, what strategies we're using to ensure that our staff are happy um, and that we put well-being at the center. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, and I'd like to come to Patrick next, if I may, on that. Because um, I know when, when I spoke to you, Patrick, you were in a different school at the time, but you'd given me some really good examples from um, your current work at the time and um, previous schools of some of the stuff that you've done for staff well-being. And you quite often go into schools when there's issues happening and you're going to kind of resolve those issues. So it's quite a, a you have a short space of time to have quite a big impact sometimes, one or two years. So can you share a bit of what you do? Uh, yeah, I think some of the schools I've gone into have, have had the difficulty, so in, sort of in offset uh, terms, inadequate uh, special measures maybe. One of the schools about three or four years ago now, four years ago, I went to being in special measures for over two years and, and a, an approach, as I described before, around getting staff to look after themselves first before helping others to make the difference with the children. We came out of special measures really quite quickly without a set of examination results new um, within six months. And based on the processes that we put in place where there was self-care for staff and liberating staff, in fact, one of the proudest uh, uh, mentions in, in Ofsted around the approach was that uh, the approach leaders said they'd been freed from bureaucratic tasks and teachers have been liberated to teach. And actually, they were flourishing as a result of owning their own mental health and well-being, owning their own school and their own responsibilities. And it's around, for me, about enthusing, engaging and empowering people to, again, own their own situation. Within within uh, North Liverpool at the moment, uh, it's a, a good school. Um, but we, we uh, during uh, lockdown period, we've kept going our weekly Thursday morning briefings that we're very proud of. And it's a voluntary briefing where people come together. It's our mental health and well-being briefing. And in the first week, we had 135 people. We now have regularly 150, 155 of our staff joined for that briefing, where we come together, share care and celebrate the work that's going on with the students and also the things we're doing for ourselves, some of the struggles and some of the things we've done, a variety of challenges, uh, our mental health and wellbeing star of the week, which we do where staff nominate, nominations by staff for staff for the small things that people have done that have made a positive difference to their life as well. So in terms of staff positivity that's where it comes from but again it's well-being and, and these aspects of positivity are not a soft option it's also about how we learn to talk with each other the, the difficult conversations that we, we learn and craft together so that we, we practice them when it's not difficult so that when we do have to have those conversations they become much easier there's a whole variety of strategies that we've, we've used to create that culture of positive uh, mental health and, and well-being for colleagues and again that how that then um, cascades down to the work we do with students. And when we talked, you gave so many examples, really, of some of the stuff, you know, and it's sometimes really little things that make such a huge difference uh, as you build them up and as you build them into the culture. And, and that is, is as well, because it's the same for students. 
in that one person's well-being dream is another person's well-being nightmare. So mm. it's not about doing the same things for each person, for each member of staff. It's not the same with students either, but finding out what's tangible and what, what people need. And particularly at the moment during the, the, the pandemic, we, we, it's, it's going to be a mass, when people start coming in with a much wider opening, it's almost like a, a mass national return to work. Anyone's been on maternity leave or been on long-term sick for three weeks or longer, that first stepping over the threshold, um, and then the loss that people have had. And I'm not just talking bereavement, but I'm talking uh, the loss of uh, friendship groups and connections and all the things that people have, have been different during this period of time. Um, I think um, all, the, all the things that are mentioned in the book, the book's a great resource for that as well, I think, in that it's a toolkit for people to be able to use to follow to, to help us ease our way back in. Thank you very much for that. And and actually, that leads quite nicely. If I, if I come to Kelly with uh, this next point, um, in, in the context, yes, of staff well-being, but maybe also the, the kind of bigger picture uh, looking at whole school, um, we can't ignore that at the moment, you know, we are in a very difficult situation. Um, because we've got COVID-19 going on and the, the challenges that that brings in terms of the actual real practicalities from a school's perspective, um, and also because of everything else that's been going on in the world in terms of the political context we find ourselves in, the Black Lives Matter movements, and um, you know the, the, the very real challenges that so many of our students, teachers, and parents are experiencing right now on top of the COVID-19 worries and fears and everything else that's coming together. And I'm quite conscious that when, when I talk about positive psychology, there's sometimes this kind of notion of it being all fluffy and just all about, you know, the niceties of being happy and all of that. But actually, you know, how do we use character education and, and well-being work in school and um, and positive education in the, in the bigger sense to to kind of support that and support the here and now and what's happening and I know there's a lot um, that, that you've been working on Kelly so maybe I'll start with you on that one. Yeah just to follow on from what Patrick was saying um, staff well-being is vital um, in order to safeguard the profession. When I first joined Lesnar's Heath 50% of our staff were long-term supply. We now have a full cohort of staff and people coming to us hearing about our work and our successes and wanting to work uh, within our schools within the Primary First Trust. I think we need to reframe our thinking and question around what's happened to us. Um, in terms of the pandemic, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about recovery curriculum but my sense of how we how we create a new space um, that validates well-being and, and helps our stakeholders thrive is to think about a renewal curriculum because if we look at just what's happening in the here and now I know it to be true I'm in education and I'm seeing a very different picture to what is being outlaid within the media um, it's a bit like it's scaremongering and I think what we need to do is start with celebrating what are we doing that's really good what have we been doing pre-covid what's been happening in amongst this challenging time look at the successes and I always say start from where people are so what that would look like is is um, creating a staff survey that was purposeful for your staff in these current times building um, teams of people I had a change team of staff members who had a voice on well-being making sure that your well-being offer is prescriptive 
to your environment. Each school has its own setting um, and its own unique set of needs. But I really do believe if you look after the staff, what that does is that creates happy, flourishing children and happy, flourishing parents because parents want to send their children to school where teachers are happy. And I think that's where we need to start. It's opening up conversations, releasing stigma around mental health and well-being. And within um, For Flourishing Sakes book, it's a brilliant toolkit to get the conversation starting and thinking about building really purposeful strategies for well-being, not just tick box exercises or fluffy well-being, real positive mental wealth support. Thank you so much for that, Kelly. I remembered to turn my mic back on this time <laughs> as I answered you. Um, that's brilliant. And and that, that idea of starting where people are, and that ties in with what Patrick was saying as well. You know, one one person's idea of mental well-being, heaven is another person's idea of mental well-being, hell. And that's, you know, in the context of start where people are, that's really, really important. Um, and if I come to you, Beck, on that, um, you know, you've got quite... Um, because of the nature of your school, maybe you can explain a bit about the cohort in your school, which is quite different to other schools. Um, that gives you um, quite a unique setting of a mixture of people within the school, which therefore, in terms of the challenges that we're facing at the moment, both with people traveling into school, but also with the Black Lives Matter movement, etc. I think that gives you a lot of perspectives within one school that are quite interesting in the context of uh, pupil well-being, staff well-being. So I'll, I'll hand over to you a little bit on that one. Okay, thank you. Yes, so what, what makes the context slightly different is that we have a very unique catchment area. When the university um, agreed to sponsor a school and set up our school, they wanted it to be very much a, a civic school, as the University of Birmingham was a civic university, and to be a school that could be accessed by everyone in Birmingham. So it doesn't have a, its own separate, unique catchment area around the school, like many schools do. We have um, five different nodes across the city, which are based in very different parts of, of Birmingham, which have their own very unique communities, which often don't mix together very much. Um, and so we've always been very um, conscious of having to represent a really diverse um, group of, of pupils and address the issues that that means when when pupils often don't share a lot of this, the, the same experiences. And rather than looking at differences, we follow a, a no outsiders curriculum and make sure we very much celebrate what makes us unique, but also what we all have in common. And obviously with, with Black Lives Matter at the moment, celebrating absolutely everything, but recognising the, the, the inequalities and the racism that exists in, in institutions has been really poignant. I think going back to your original question of, of how how we've managed this in, in lockdown, so much of character is part of a school's culture and how you take that remotely and how you put that online has been a has been quite a challenge. Um but we've we've still very much tried to keep in in um in in line with our, our values and with our virtues. So we still have a, a taught character education programme where pupils are looking and reflecting, I suppose, within a context of what's happening now, but at, at heroes, at people who are really making a difference, at people who are challenging um, the status quo and protesting peacefully to really make a difference to the world, whilst also checking in with staff 
very regularly and, and I love the, the the point that you made before about um meeting people where they are so parents are all finding this very different and I think there's a lot of successes we do as as, as we've said have to celebrate how resilient pupils have been and just how brilliantly parents and carers have managed this but again understand that there's a lot of people that that really are finding this quite tricky and, and how we bring that all back in through a curriculum of compassion and honesty and courage is really important in the future. Thank you so much for that. And there's so much in there to, to unpack. And um, that idea of compassion and courage as well. Um, I'll, I'll come to you next, Flora. And if you can kind of think obviously about the context we're talking about in terms of, yes, how do we manage the current challenges, um, but also brings to mind some of the stuff you told me in more general terms as well about um, your school and the purple learning and, and courage really springs to mind. And if you're happy to share the story that you shared from a book, there was that brilliant story that you shared with me about your uh, academic experience there in terms of courage as well. And, and also how some of that impacts then on, on not just the children and the staff, but the parents as well, which I thought was really interesting. Interesting. Oops, had to unmute. Uh, yes. So, purple learning is um, it's been brilliant, actually, especially for this this um, time of online learning, uh, because purple learning is all about creating independent learners, children who are ready to be lifelong learners, children who are ready to leave primary school, ready for whatever challenges lie ahead of them. And it is about uh, giving children the skills and strategies, again, to deal with challenge. And it's all about making mistakes, celebrating our mistakes, learning from our mistakes, and understanding the difference between silly mistakes and really good uh, mistakes. And it's, it's about, you know, making sure children understand resilience and perseverance. Um, and the story that Fred's referring to is I was starting to feel a bit like a fraud because we celebrate our mistakes. We celebrate the fact that you know, failure, it's, failure is only when we give up. And the children all can recite that in school. They say, failure is only when you give up. If you don't give up, if you keep on going. You will eventually, you will eventually get your goals, reach your goals, as long as you work hard and put in the effort. Um, and I felt a bit, a, failure, a, a bit of a fraud, actually, at school, because when I first began my headship, I had just submitted a dissertation for my master's. I knew it wasn't great, um, but I actually did fail it. I failed my master's, my first one, um, and um, I then redid it uh, two years into being head teacher, and then got a distinction. And it was all about um, something in our school called learning detectives, which is again about purple learning. Um, so I told, I told my staff the story because I said I feel like a fraud. I need to let you know I failed my dissertation, but I just got my results back, and I actually got a distinction that shows what a purple learner I am. Uh, it was about you know, facing the challenge, putting in the hard work, persevering, and not giving up. That was my story. <laughs> Fantastic. And I love that story. And it really stuck in my mind. And what I loved as well is how it then started going into, you know, parents coming in and telling you about their purple learning stories as well and how they failed and how they've challenged themselves. Thank you for tuning in to the For Flourishing Sake podcast. If you found this episode useful, please give it a five-star rating on iTunes to help it reach more people and please spread the word. Also, if you haven't already, remember to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. For Flourishing Sake is available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Google Podcasts and Deezer. The book by the same name came out on Kindle on the 18th of June and will be out on paperback on the 21st of August. You'll find it on all the major online book retailer sites. It's jam-packed with evidence-based strategies for whole school positive education with case study examples from a wide range of schools from around the world. So why not order your Kindle copy now or pre-order your paperback so you'll receive it as soon as it's published? If you'd like to get in touch with questions or comments or to contribute to a future episode, please contact me via Twitter at Flourishing Ed. You can also leave comments on individual episode pages on the forflourishingsake.com website. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, for flourishing sake, have a great week. Mm-hmm.